Hi, I'm Chris Spizak, and this is the Words You Should Know podcast. Welcome to the summer series of the Words You Should Know podcast, where no, I'm not going to go into the etymology of summer, dog days, and solstice. Been there, done that. But instead, we'll revisit the story stop tour events of earlier this year and popular episodes you may have missed from years past. This will be a seven-episode break, with new episodes resuming on Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. What are my story stops? Imagine a program where you take a pause in your life to consider the stories that have shaped you into who you are. That's what my third book, The Family Story Workbook, is all about. And at my Story Stop events, I've been honored to hear the stories of talented authors, poets, and wordsmiths as they dive into their memories and invite you to dive into yours. You can learn more about these events at storystoptour.com. And now, let me welcome you to the encore of Story Stop, Enter the Toastmasters, originally held on April 9th, 2021, and now replayed for you here on the Words You Should Know podcast. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. I am Chris Spizak, and welcome to Story Stop, Enter the Toastmasters. I am thrilled to introduce you to four amazing storytellers today, because We all have stories in our lives who shape us and make us into the people that we are. And sometimes we wonder, how can we record these stories? Sometimes we wonder, how can we be that person at the dinner table that everybody else is drawn to and pulled into with their stories? We have some amazing storytellers who are going to teach us a little bit about that. But before we do, I wanted to invite you to, if you're here with us live, feel free to share this event on social media. Feel free to jump in and comment on the thread on social media, because if you're commenting in, we'll be able to throw your comments up live on the screen so you can be a little bit in on the action here as well. Now our story stops all started because I had a new book out and my new book is the family story workbook and the origin of this book was the fact that so often we want to record our stories but we don't. So often we want to connect with people and don't have the opportunity to perhaps before it's late. Maybe we want to record our memories for ourselves. Maybe we want to record them for future generations. Maybe we want to record them for historians of the future, future who are looking back on this moment and wondering, what was it like to live in 2021 through everything that we are going through in this moment. That was the impetus of the book. But you know what? Celebrating a book is one thing. Celebrating it with a party of storytellers is a whole other fun thing. So that is what we're doing here. The writers among us may be familiar with the blinking cursor on our screen. And maybe sometimes you're blinking and cursing right back with that that, uh, cursor there. But the others are thinking about maybe that charismatic party, that person at the table, that person who is at that gathering sucking everyone in because of the humor, the drama, the excitement, the electricity in the tale that they are telling. And it isn't a secret. You too can be 
that storyteller, whether it is written down on the page, whether it is something that you were recording on audio to preserve, whether it is you and your family members gathered around the living room. And how do we do that? That's what we're diving into today. Now, today I'm going to introduce and pull up onto screen here four amazing storytellers. Gail, Roger, Joan, and Shauna. And I'm gonna give each of you a moment to say hello. And first off, just welcome. Um, and we'll go, I guess the order I just pulled you onto the screen. Um, Gail Turner, could you say hello and just introduce yourself to everyone we have with us today? Absolutely. I'm Gail Turner from the Storytellers Channel. And quite frankly, I've been telling stories since they were called lies. But my, my whole life has been one long story. It's, it's how I've made sense of the world. And I grew up in a family of storytellers. Some of my, my fondest memories are sitting on the front seat of a pickup truck while my daddy rode around just telling me the stories of his youth, his time in the Navy, stories about his parents. And so I'm, a, I'm just a firm believer. I'm a story junkie. And so it has, it has impacted my entire life. It did not matter what industry I have been in stories have been the, the center of it. And so unfortunately, some of the folks here today are people that I have told stories with before. So I'll, I'll tell you about that later on, but why don't you let somebody else have the mic? <laughs> Fabulous, thank you, Gail. Um, Roger Caesar, why don't you go next? Hello everyone, I'm Roger Caesar. I am the proud owner of Caesar Transport Incorporated and also of Empire Coaching. I have always believed in making others keep rising to find their greatness. I am a multiple champion in Toastmasters doing the international speech and I am so happy and thrilled to be here today to share stories and to learn about other stories. Thank you. I am, I am so impressed with y'all. Thank you, Roger. Um, Shauna Kabatsnik, you're up next. <laughs> I was going to say, we always clap at Toastmasters when somebody gets done speaking. <laughs> oh, this is going to be so much fun, Chris. I don't know if you know what you got yourself into. But I know, right? <laughs> uh, hi, everybody. My name is Shauna Kabatsnik, and I do have a story with that last name. Maybe we'll share that one later. I'm the founder of Fab Women, which is an, a community of women to come together to uplift and support each other. And I've used story, thanks to Gail, in propelling my career, not only as the founder of Fab, but now as a marketing and consultant, because it's all about the value of the story that can connect you with your peers, with the people that you're trying to sell um, to, or just with friends. So I'm super excited to hear what's going to be happening here. Take it away, Joan. Take it away. <laughs> Nice, Joan Bowling, you're oh, next. Thank you all, and I'm thrilled to be here as well. I'm Joan Bowling, owner of Joan Bowling Presents, which is a communication training, coaching, and speaking company. And unlike Gail, I grew up in a really quiet family, like really quiet family. So I can't say I didn't have any stories, but they were told in whispers or in the back room where the kids weren't around, what have you. So how I got my speaking chops and storytelling love was through almost two decades in broadcast sales, trying to connect with clients, 10 years hosting live television shows. Oh my gosh, the craziness of that. And I have a story for you. And then co-founder of an ad agency. 
Now, what kicked me into high gear was six years ago, I joined Toastmasters and all of us are Toastmasters. And I am a distinguished Toastmaster, as many of us on this call are, which meant I did about, what, check me, Roger, 40 speeches, one project, six months of being an officer. It goes on and on. But the richness of the membership and the stories and how you can grow in that safe, comfortable environment really took me up a notch. And like Roger, I was proud to represent my district here in Richmond, Virginia in the International Speech Competition in 2018 and going for it in 2021, as well as past president of the National Speakers Association of Virginia. I'm committed to that spoken word. I love it. And I think there's no ceiling in telling those stories and sharing your message. Chris? Oh, I absolutely love that, Joan. I know this is where we do our round of applause for everybody. It's absolutely true. And I think the spoken story is just as powerful as the written story. And so many people underestimate this idea of storytellers being novelists, storytellers being playwrights, but we are human. Humans are storytellers. And Shauna, you're talking about using story in the corporate world, story in all of these different facets of brand building and all of these other pieces. Stories are essential in every piece of our lives and I am geeking out about being here in a virtual room with you all. Um, so let's just dive in. Everybody ready? Ready. Let's do it. All this. right, fabulous. So let's see, Joan, I'm gonna start with you. We're gonna go alphabetically today. How's that for some organization? Oh, how nice, <laughs> thank you. So Joan, I'm gonna start with you. What is a moment from your life that shaped the storyteller that you have become in some way? Thank you, Chris. Let me ask you all and, first, and, and I don't know if you can comment because of microphones and what have you, but you all, you guys have a bucket list, right? Everybody have a bucket list, right? One thing, a zillion things you want to do before you kick the bucket. Okay. Well, me too. So one thing on my bucket list was zip lining. And so a few years ago, I talked my husband into going zip lining and it was exhilarating just zipping through the air and the work that it takes to get up to that point <laughs> with ropes and ladders is craziness, but it, it felt so awesome. So check off the bucket list for that. Second one was kayaking. Now you may be thinking, oh my gosh, Joan, what is the big darn deal about kayaking? Well, I'm a land sign. I'm a Virgo. I like to walk. I'm good with biking. I'm good with hiking, but water, eh, a little bit sketchy. Fortunately, the push, the impetus came when we hosted two international high school students, one from Shanghai and one from Spain, and on a Hilton Head spring break vacation, we decided to go kayaking. It was fantastic with the exception of our Spanish international daughter was hoping we'd run into a bunch of sharks. I don't know if they're called a school of sharks, whatever, but thank goodness we didn't run into that. One of the big things that I've always wanted to do professionally on my bucket list is to host a live television show. Now, you're not going to find that job on Indeed because there are too few of them. And the ones that get the jobs are the ones that have hosted them in the past, right? So it's the chicken and the egg thing, like a first job. You have to have experience to get that first job, but you have to get that first job to get that experience. So I put that intention out there and let it go. 
In my almost two decades in broadcast sales, I developed a lot of great professional relationships. And one was a large farm and garden company up and down the Northeast coast. And also, excuse me, they were in the South and we had a great relationship. And they approached me one day and said, Hey, Joan, we're doing an hour live show and uh, we would like for you to host it. You, you're very chatty and you're professional and we like you. And by the way, it's in a week. And I said, sure. And even though, don't tell anybody, I was raised in the inner city in Pittsburgh. And I think we had one tree that the whole neighborhood shared. I'm exaggerating, but not by much. I said, yes, had a great time. And that kicked off a 10 year live hosting career. Now, what does this have to do with story? I learned so much from one show in particular, and that was the Pet Club show. I hosted that for four years. Spontaneous are animals and children. You never know what they're going to say, how they're going to respond. Let me give you an example. One show was a live large bird show. We had beautiful macaws, you know, the kind that look like you paint by numbers. They're bright colors, and you've got to put these birds in your will because they will live for 75 to 100 years. So we had three birds on the set, one stage left, one stage right, one on the center perch, one guest, an avian veterinarian. And she had this significant volume, curly tower of hair. Really was a thing to behold. I didn't know if the camera shot could get it in. So we're about ready to start the live show. Cameraman always starts at 30 seconds. I'm going to give it to you at 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7 is 7 seconds. One of them cause flies off the perch and on the shoulder of one of the cameramen. Six, five, at four seconds, the bird on stage right flies off the perch and goes totally off the set. Three, two, at one, the bird on the center perch hops up into the guest, voluminous, curly, luscious mound of hair. And then they say, Joan, go live. And I thought to myself, as I smiled at the camera audience, I said, oh my gosh, I might be doing 60 seconds of the Jones show because I had no idea what it would take to round up these birds. And they had to cut the vet's hair, take the hair out of the claws of the bird and remount them all. It was just 10 minutes. But what I learned from that and so many of those other shows throughout the four years that I did the pet show is that it was the hero's journey. And Gail had exposed me to this through Storyteller's channel initially. You're minding your own business. We'll call you the hero. And in this case, it was me. Something unexpected happens. What? You have no guests? What? Your human is entangled with a bird in their hair? And so then the redemption is victory. Is it neutral or is it something else? And that's where you get the intrigue with your story whether it's something unexpected that happens that's happy, that's sad, that's poignant. So storytelling is where I learned so much by doing the live television shows. It has also helped me amass my story file. And I think it's helped me connect with folks through the heart and also through your mind. Because again, with stories, it's not about the story itself but it's about that point. What is the point of the story? And then what is the application? What's in it 
for the audience. So Chris, that's what really got me into the world of storytelling, not only to help my business, but also to take me into my business right now, which is Joan Bowling Presents. And Joan, real quick, what's your website for everybody out there? Sure. Thank you. It is, look at my name. It's joanbowling.com and I will pop up and I've got uh, blogs and offerings and so many things to take advantage of, free resources that I hope that you will. I think it's wonderful. Thank you. And you, I think you spoke to one of my greatest fears. Now, I don't have hair that can rival your guest, by <laughs> means, but I was born in Texas. The only thing I really took away from Texas was my big hair, I really think. But I have this fear of animals being stuck in it. And now I have this whole new nightmare scenario. But oh my gosh, I love that story. <laughs> Thank you so uh, much. I couldn't believe it. And, and again, to the point of, and I'm sure the others will speak of it as well, you know, when you're speaking live and impromptu, and one of the beautiful things that Toastmasters does have that you can take advantage of is tall tales. And tall tales is getting the creative mind working where the listener sits back and says, man, what a story. Could that have really happened? Mm. And so many things can actually happen to tantalate the mind and the spirit. And, and so tall tales is an important part of that. And again, what did they say? That uh, fact is stranger than, would it, give me the phrase. Yeah, fact yeah, is then, stranger. Okay, there you go. The fact is stranger Absolutely. than fiction. And so I have so many of those other stories. I don't want to take up anybody else's time, but the one with the um, reptiles, see these manicured hands, they don't do reptiles. And <laughs> reptiles, they brought on the set. Uh, I remember one in particular was a, a four foot long monitor. It's a lizard. And when they, when they bite, they don't bite and release. They just bite and, and again, um, until the digit is severed. Another really happy thought from Joan Bowling in the storytelling <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I need to get off this kick. What else can we talk about? I don't know. I, I know, and this you're telling a story and it's reminding me of a story. And that's the most fun thing of conversations like this, Joan. I love it. You're fabulous. <laughs> I want to hear more, but you're right. We will go to yes. our next speaker. I'm going to jump Thanks, uh, Roger up onto the screen. Thank you very much, Joan. I'm and Roger, I'm wondering if you could give us a little snippet of some magic here too. And what is a moment from your life that maybe shaped who you are and how has that story and remembering that moment and remembering it via story helped you? Well, it's funny. I want to a piggyback, piggyback off of what Joan said, uh, amazing stories that she shared. And, and while she was sharing it, I could actually picture it. And I think that is what is so important about storytelling. The idea that you can close your eyes as an audience member and visually see what the person is saying because of the way in which they are are presenting it. And I think the way Jones presented those different stories, oh my gosh, I could only imagine how it was on that set. But the the reality is when you ask that question to me, I've had many I've had many stories and the funny thing about it is that each one intertwines with the other and helps me to be who I am today. And I take you back because first and foremost we all have to realize that what does the stories do? What do these stories do? I've always told people that your stories are personal, but your message is universal. And that's important. I'm going to repeat that. Your stories are personal, but your message is universal. 
meaning that everybody has their own stories, but as storytellers and even as Toastmasters, what we try to do the best is to bring our personal story out so that we are vulnerable, number one. Number two, that we uh, can connect with an audience in some way, shape, or form with our story. And then the third thing is, how is it that my story, though it is personal to me, how is it that it could translate to something that is going on within their lives? Or better yet, if they may know somebody who is dealing with something. And I'll tell you a couple of stories with regards to myself. One is a great story, but it had a, a bit of a sad part to it. And then another one is a very sad one. When I was 22 years old, I was we were expecting our first child, and it was a scary yet wonderful moment. You got to remember, at 22, your your world is ahead of you, but yet here you are, about to have a child. And six months into her pregnancy, we got some disturbing news when they went and did an ultrasound. And in that ultrasound, they had realized that there were some complications with my daughter. Now, they said not to be alarmed because while she is uh, developing, my, my girlfriend at the time was able to uh, help her to develop fine, but it's when she was born that the complications would arise. And what was those complications you would ask? Well, my daughter had what was called at the time a diaphragmatic hernia. And what in simplest terms is, is that she had a small hole that was splitting her diaphragm and allowing any of the organs at the bottom to start seeping up to the top. Now, if you can picture that, you can imagine the fear uh, as 22-year-olds wondering what, what was about to transpire when she would be born. And as that period of time came, we obviously had the support of our families, but it was scary still because we still had that unknown feeling of what would happen. And we were getting answers and, and being told things from different angles. Uh, a doctor would say, we have no worries about this. We can handle this. Then you'd have others that would say uh, the chances of her survival are very slim. In fact, we were told at one point that she only had a 10% chance to survive. 10% chance. My mother is a very religious person, and she would always say to us that no matter what, it's in God's hands. You just believe. And it's not about whether or not you believe in God or not. It was that we had to have that faith that she would survive. And I remember when she was born, it was a scary yet fun, funny moment because I sat there and it had to be a C-section. And I sat there right beside her watching them perform the surgery. And I'm laughing along and I'm saying, oh, well, I could see all your organs inside there. Oh, my God, you need to work on all that stuff. It doesn't look good at all. <laughs> and she's at the same time pulling my hand and saying, listen, let me tell you something. If you don't keep your mouth shut, I am going to tear you apart. And we had that fun moment. But it's that moment when we saw our daughter and my goodness, she let out one yell and then they raced her off. And they had to connect her to all these different uh, tubes. And for the next six months, it was touch and go with regards to her. 
but we always believed in our faith and believed that, you know, she would survive. And I remember there was that moment, that special moment when she finally came out of the hospital. And although she had the tube still connected to her for her for feeding, the idea of seeing her and watching those big eyes of hers looking up at us, that was one of those moments for me that made me realize that life is precious. And I realized that no matter what stories we have, whatever story I had, I had to also try and develop it in a way that would help other people. Because in that moment, what helped me more than anything else was having the support of those around us. And that to me, every time I look at my daughter, my daughter now is 26. Yeah, I said 26, 26, look at me. Yeah, I know, looks like I had her at about 10 or 12. But anyways, we had her, We she's 26 years old. And even to this day, I always, always, always remind her of where she was and to continue to always thrive to be the best that she can. So those are the types of stories I like to tell because if people are going through those situations, they can always relate to maybe having a loved one who is in the hospital who is struggling or fighting for their life or or gone through something with pregnancies. And these are those moments for me that my personal story can help others to understand that, hey, somebody else has gone through it. And if they've gone through and they made it through and they have seen the, the joy of surviving 10% and still making it through, then maybe we have a chance as well. And then the other story, which is uh, for myself, a year before that, uh, I went out with uh, one of my best friends uh, to a club one night. And uh, we were obviously finished school and we were celebrating the fact that we had completed school and went out that night and he was the type of person that didn't really like to party a lot but i convinced him that we should go out and celebrate and on that night while we were there there was a scuffle that happened at the club and he tried to break it up he wasn't the type of person that liked to do a lot of fighting or any of that type of things but he tried to break up the fight well when we left that night uh we opened the doors to that club and bullets rained down on us like hail and thunder. Uh, my friend was shot five times. I was shot twice. Uh, he did not survive. And I remember that night holding him with the adrenaline that I had pumping in me, even though I knew I was shot, the adrenaline of seeing him on the ground face down and just bouncing up and down and trying desperately to hold him in my arms and to hope for a miracle that he would survive. And he turned to me and he said, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then he, he passed away. And I tell that story to people because for me, it shows where I was at one point in my life. And though it wasn't something that I had looked for or, we expect it to happen. I survived. And it's the reason why every day I put a smile on my face and I continue to try to do the best that I can. And do I falter? Yes, I do. But I am now a storyteller. I'm a person that can go out and I can share my stories to the world. And those are the reasons why I do it. I take those very personal and vulnerable stories 
and I try to find a universal message that can help other people. I've often also said that your stories are the gateway to your soul, and it's the pathway to an audience's heart. Because your story is very, very valuable to you, but you have no idea who in the audience is listening and could actually take what you're saying and apply it to their own lives. And I've had it happen a million times where somebody will come up to me after I've finished speaking and will say, oh my God, I'm going through that. Or I have a friend of mine who just went through that. And I'm so glad that you were able to tell me your story because it has helped me to figure out what I'm going to do. And that's the reason why these stories that I've had in my life and amongst many more, these are the reasons why I hold them dearly to me and I feel that by sharing it and being vulnerable, it allows your audience to take it away and use it and apply it to their own lives if possible. Roger, thank you. I mean, speaking of sharing a little bit of your soul, a little bit of who, how you have become who you are, thank you for that. And a line that you said struck me and it struck um, Shauna also here, stories are personal but the message is universal. That's so true. Your experience is your own, but so many people can take away so much. And yes, for those who are on social media, if you're commenting, we can pull your stuff up onto the screen if you would like. Now, wow. <laughs> I know it's a... I mean, where... <laughs> but it's true. I mean, stories are what make us human. Stories are what make us connect to each other in profound ways and make us understand who we were in that moment, as you say, and who we are in that moment versus now and how all of those stories upon stories upon stories build us into who we are as people and as a society. Of Roger, course. Thank you of course. so much. And there's so many times where I feel like these, these situations that we're even going through now if you can find some positivity in it, and that's what it came down to for me, is I went through what, I, and, and some people say things happen in threes, and I remember that it did. It, those were two out of the three stories that happened during that time. I was really rebellious at that point in my life, and I was doing a lot of crazy things. And I remember I, was, I sat there at one point and said, Jesus, when will this all stop? And you know what? When it did, I realized I had a gift. and. I'm glad that I'm able to, and I'm humbled that I'm able to share those stories and amongst many more. And same with the beautiful cast that we have here today that will have so many stories to share because we're able to connect with an audience and help them as well. And that's what the beauty about it is. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. And Shauna, I'm gonna pull you up onto the screen here too. And I'm gonna throw the exact same question your way. Is there a moment of your life that has shaped who you are and why is holding on to that moment? I know so many moments, it's hard to choose. How have these moments, why is holding on to them so important for you? Thank you, Chris. Um, it's been so interesting to- Sorry about that. <laughs> it's been very interesting to hear from uh, um, Joan and Roger on all that they've shared. And I will add that you, there, there's something so true about a story building upon a story. 
because to be honest, when you posed that question to me, I had an idea of my answer, but after hearing what Roger especially shared, <clears throat> excuse me, I have to go back to the beginning, which is that moment that I ended up in the United States without knowing that I was going to go to college here in the United States. Um, so my background is quite um, interesting. And again, that's a story for another day or a teaser for people to ask more questions. But let's fast forward. And I am at Mississippi State University and I'm at the age of 18. And I will say here too, that it's thanks to Gail that I learned to own this part of the story because I didn't think it was that important. It was something that had happened to me, but I never owned it as my story. And going through the storyteller um, workshop that I did with Gail and Joan, I've learned that this is actually that moment in time where I find myself in this new place with new culture, new language that I wasn't even planning on, on experiencing. I was put there, not by my own decision. And this, that's where the story begins. That is where who I am now, I got to say, that's the moment that I've formed me to who I am now. And that's how the story is built. And I want to take your audience to a different side. And it's that side of how do you build your story around business? Because I learned to connect. And if anybody knows me and knows anything about me, I'm all about connecting. Fat Women is about connecting. My speak, um, my speaking engagements are about the art of connecting. And I've learned to connect because I was put in a place where if I didn't share my story, people were not only looking at me differently, but they were making assumptions of who I was. And those assumptions were wrong, but unfortunately those assumptions came from their own beliefs of what they saw on TV. And at that time, this is 1990, 1990 there wasn't, I think the internet might've been out, but it wasn't what it is now. So people only assumed the things they saw on TV of what a third world country was. So when people made those assumptions about me, I learned two things. I learned that I was also making assumptions about them because again, I'm in Mississippi. They were not, they did not look like me. I didn't look like them. Um, but I also learned that I needed to connect through my story and that if, instead of feeling defensive about their assumptions, I felt I shared, no, that is not quite the way it is. And let me tell you the story and let me share with you how I grew up and this and that. Not only was I educating, but I was connecting. And if we fast forward and go through life and I, you know, graduate college, get married, have the kids, got divorced, <laughs> you know, again, the story in, in starting my own business is the story that connects people. So what I learned at that time is what I've been able to apply moving forward for my personal growth, for my business growth, and hopefully to share it with others, to share the importance of connecting with people through story, through authenticity, 
through embracing who you are. So um, I'm going to be a little bit shorter because I think uh, my peers before me uh, have said so much, but I want to tell you that is that moment. And my story builds from that moment. And no matter how many times I try and change it uh, and decide it's a different piece, it all comes back to that because my story could have been incredibly different if I would have done what I was supposed to do, which was stay in Ecuador, you know, finish high school, get married, have the kids, it would have not created who I am uh, right now. So I've used this power of storytelling to enforce what I believe, enforce that authenticity, enforce that connection. And I uh, believe Roger, you, you mentioned something about humans and stories. We all have that story. And I think through this last year, we've lacked that human connection. And um, to be able to connect at that level, it doesn't matter how different we are. I start with saying we're all human. So let's start with that basic and let's take our story forward. So um, Chris, you're welcome to ask me any deeper dive questions, but that's my, my little piece. Oh, and I love it. And I think there are two big pieces there that just hit me hard and that whole idea of owning this piece of your story. And Gail, you're getting all of these shout outs before it's even your <laughs> turn, but all of these people who you have helped kind of tap into themselves to be able to understand themselves just through their own memories, their own moments they have lived through. And also this idea of empathy. People say that those who are readers are more empathetic than the general population because you're allowed to jump into somebody else's mind, somebody else's experience. But it's not just the readers. I think it's the listeners, people who are telling their stories. And Shauna, this is exactly what you're talking about. If you only know one perception from TV or whatever it happens to be, it's completely different from actually listening to a real person standing in front of you and speaking to their life. I think, um, Chris, what also happens when I'm now speaking in um, training or whatnot is if you share the story from your personal point of view, I, I get hired to talk about cross-cultural connection. It's my story, right? So if I share from my personal view, then the people that are listening are connecting. They're feeling included. They're feeling like, hey, I'm not the only one that's going through so it's, it's that moment where you're connecting and it is, it's all about that power of a story. I think people don't realize that it all starts with that story in anything we do. Right. Absolutely true. Now, if someone is wanting to get in touch with you, how would they do so? Uh, they can uh, they can reach out to me at Shauna at Fab Women dot me so fab women dot me or my website um shauna um shauna shauna and i will be glad to share a little bit more about the stories or how we can support each other thank you so much shauna and i just realized somebody threw a comment up on facebook that i did not ask roger that exact same question so roger i'm going to pull you back up Roger, after funny. all of your amazing storytelling, I was so wowed that I forgot to ask you the ever important question of how does one contact you if they want to hear more? And that was funny because I was just putting that in the chat. I didn't get asked that question. Uh, 
my website is rogercaesar.com, rogercaesar.com. And you could reach out to me there and also with my uh, email at rcaesar14 at gmail.com. Reach out there. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. And without further ado, Gail, we have been hearing all about your impressiveness and how wonderful you have been in pulling out so many people's stories. And I'm wondering if you have a favorite family story to tell, although I guess phrasing that question as I'm wondering is not really true. I know you have lots of family stories to tell. So if you could tell us one. My daddy was a lucky man. But if, you, if you'd ask him when he was growing up, he'd have said if it weren't for bad luck, he'd have had no luck at all. But I know when his luck began to turn. It was the spring of 1944. And I know where it happened. It was at Benford Junior High School here in Richmond, Virginia. Now, Benford Junior High was a very unique building. It was only the seventh junior high built in the entire country. And it was the only school in the country that you could go from the basement all the way up to the roof and never have to go up a step. They had inclines for going up and stairs for coming down. As a matter of fact, that was the way it was done. You went up the inclines and you came down the stairs. Now, on this particular day, the sixth graders from Madison Elementary School, which was just down the street about a mile, had been brought to Benford for an orientation. They were giving a tour of the school so that next year when they came up as seventh graders, they wouldn't feel so intimidated. Amongst that group of sixth graders was a pretty little country girl who had moved to Richmond just the year before, my mama. She said that on that day, she saw this boy walking down the up incline. His sleeves were rolled up and his hands were in his pocket and he had, a, he had a pipe in his mouth, upside down, clenched between his teeth. And as he strode right by her, she thought, that is the cutest thing I have ever seen. Well, it was a few weeks later and it was Sunday. She's sitting in church over next to the window. This is the 40s, remember, long before air conditioning and the, the windows were open. And she looked out and she saw that boy. And he was walking right by the church, and it was clear that he was going to the Methodist church that backed up to the Baptist church that she was going to. The next Sunday, my mama changed churches. Now, you're thinking, how could you do that? Well, because her parents had been sending her to church since she was a wee little thing. They didn't come with her. They just wanted to make sure she was there. So it didn't matter what church she went to, and mama had decided she wanted to go to the church where that boy was going to church. Well. A few weeks later, and you know, they'd been eyeing each other, and it was Herbert Atwell's birthday. And she and her good buddy Mickey, who lived right next door to each other, they were walking over to Herbert's. The Atwells were the rich people in, in the community. Herbert had a pony. So, anyway, they're walking along, and my daddy and some of his buddies were strolling along behind them, you know, behaving the way teenage boys do. Let me tell you to it, my mama's words, okay? He was obnoxious. And I didn't care how cute he was. I didn't want anything to do with him. Well, they get to the party. And as the evening went on, somehow, everybody was playing spin the bottle. Now, I don't know if my mama spun that bottle and it wound up pointing at my daddy. Or if my daddy spun that bottle and it wound up pointing at my mama. But they went behind a sheet and they kissed. And my mama was in love. 
Well, time went on. It's 1949. By this time, they both dropped out of school to go to work. My daddy, who had been in the cadet corps at John Marshall, has now joined the Marine Reserves and has risen to corporal. He's doing well, but he hasn't had a steady job. And he has managed to raise enough money to buy Mama a diamond ring. But you see, his daddy had died when he was only 13. And so daddy was having to support his mama and his brother. And so he didn't have a lot of spare cash. And mama's like, you don't have a steady job. And daddy's like, I want us to get married. And she's like, you don't have a steady job. On one particular occasion, it got to the point where she ripped off that diamond ring and she threw it into a snowbank. And then she got down on her hands and knees with him and they found the diamond ring and things calmed down again. But on this particular case, Danny was pushing his luck and he said, if you don't marry me, I'm joining the service. She said, go ahead. All this time, Danny had been trying to get the Marines to transfer him to the regular Marines, but that hadn't happened. So Danny goes off to boot camp. And wouldn't you know the way things work? While he's at boot camp, his mama gets a letter saying he's been promoted to sergeant and transferred to the regular Marines. Except that's not going to happen because, you see, he's a boot in the Navy. They've got him. He's thinking once again, you know, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Well, he gets out of boot camp. He comes home and my mama missed him so much she married him. And he's thinking, well, that's great, but I still got three and a half more years in the Navy and I could be a sergeant in the Marines right now. But, well, you know how things happen. That was October of 1949. And if you know your history, nine months later, the North Koreans crossed the 38th parallel and invaded South Korea. My father's Marine Reserve unit was called up and they got caught in the Chosin Reservoir retreat and many of those boys did not come home. And that's when my dad said he began to re-examine his situation. By the time my daddy got out of the Navy, I'd been born and he'd been promoted to Bosun's Mate second class, which was the same thing, the same rate as being a sergeant in the Marine Corps. And he said, I, I just began to look at my life differently. He said, your mama was right. You know, I'm the one you think you know, is, is ruled by his head and your mama's ruled by her heart. But I was I was letting my heart overrule my head at that time. Your mama was right. And, you know, if if she'd gone with me and married me when I wanted us to get married. Well, yeah, I'd have been I'd have been promoted to sergeant and transferred to the Marines. But I'd have been caught in the chosen reservoir retreat and I I might not have come home. <laughs> you may not be here. So you're pretty lucky, too. I'm going to tell you, I know how much luckier I am that even he realized because had they gotten married in 49 and I had come along shortly thereafter, as opposed to towards the end of his, his Navy career, I'd have turned 18 at the height of the Vietnam War as opposed to at the end of the draft. And I might not be here even though I had been here. I've heard this story since I was a wee little thing. And I tell this story now, as a matter of fact, in preparation for sharing it with you all today, because this is... This is a truncated version of an 18-minute story that you can find on Storyteller's channel. I told my mama this story today. My mom is 90 years old and she has dementia. And it was as though she had never heard this story before. But when I talked about him being the cutest thing she had ever seen, she looked over and she pointed at the picture of him in his Navy uniform that sits on her bedside table. And that, that is why I tell family stories. Gail, 
that was amazing. Thank you for sharing that because our family stories, not just our own, we've been talking so much about our own stories, but those stories of our family members who come before us and the twists and turns of their lives that shape our history. And as you've said, if it was a different couple years earlier, years later, how many things would have changed for your future? Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to pull everybody back up on the screen so we can chat a little bit more about just the power of story. Thank you all for being here. First things wow. first. My goodness. Ooh, wow, is this enjoyable. <laughs> I know. This is, oh my goodness. You guys are so wonderful. So I have this amazing gallery of knowledge sitting here in front of me virtually. I, I wish we were all in the same room. But when it comes to tips for someone to become a powerful storyteller, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, Joan, I'm going to jump to you with this one. What's the first thing someone should know if they want to be a powerful storyteller? Well, Chris, I think if you're going to be a great storyteller or a good storyteller, you have to take risks. And again, I'm going to reference Gail on this because when I competed in 2018 in the International Toastmasters competition, Gail, when he sits with you and is coaching you, always says, why are you telling the story? And there was a story much to the significance of life and death situations similar to what Roger told that was with me 24 hours a day. And I didn't, I couldn't quite see my way through that story without some help. I didn't want it to be a therapy session. I wanted to be able to share that emotional story, have that point, and again, have it apply to the audience. So I think you've got to take risks. I also think you can take risks with your imagination, create things make stuff up. And again, you can have a kernel of an idea and say, oh man, is that great? And grow it and entertain your audience in that way. And then the other thing that I would say is, you know, practice with different voices. Chris, you're the writer and you know, you can do it in first person. You can do it in the narrator. You can, so mix it up a little bit and enjoy that work to not only keep it fresh for you, but to keep it fresh for your audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Roger, do you have anything to add on that? Your favorite tips for powerful storytelling? Well, I think the first thing, and I, I say this all the time, is make sure that you're authentic with what you say. Everything that you say, it's it can resonate with an audience. Um, we all, again, we all have stories, but it comes down to how you can penetrate their hearts, their minds, how they can create in their own heads what it is that you're saying. And uh, it's funny because where I met Joan was at the 2018 World Championships of Public Speaking. We were both there competing and we just hit it off right away. And the story that I told there was as, as small as it was, or well, maybe it wasn't that small, but I almost choked in my basement and no one was around. Everybody was all the way up on the second floor, the third floor of the house and no one could hear me. And I literally had one last gasp in me and I let it out and my daughter happened to be coming down the stairs to go grab something to eat. 
and heard me. And I turned that, and this is where I, I take what Gail said, I turned that and although it was a scary moment, I made it funny so that the audience didn't stay in that low moment with me, but I took them out by having some humor to it and adding some, some uh, outlandish things behind it by saying that at the time, I, I said that uh, you know those kids probably wanted to see me go away. Right. And I made it laugh and people were just laughing so much when they heard it. But that's how you do it. You find a way to take even the, the hardest and the scariest and the most heart wrenching stories. And if you could find a little bit of humor as well and get connected with an audience, that as well is, is also important to it, too. That's a great tip. Now, Shauna, you're speaking um, with different types of audiences and you're all there are so many different ways to connect with an audience, what's your favorite tip on that audience connection piece? I think for all of us uh, as professional speakers is you've got to make it about them. And um, recently uh, I was talking to Peggy and she's one of my speaking coaches and I shared with her how hard it was going to be to be a virtual speaker because I don't get to see people. And then, I, and she says, so why? I said, well, because when I'm speaking, I get energy from them and I like to see this. And I went on with, on with I, and she stopped me and she goes, but it's not about you, it's about them. So you have to be able to share your energy in, in virtual because virtual is not going away, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, right. and use that energy and share that energy and give it to them and bring them on. And uh, Roger, I'm gonna add to that, like you said, is You've got to be able to add humor, smile, add humor, and be okay with laughing at yourself because mm -hmm. if you make a mistake, you can either freeze and and not know what to do, or you can laugh it off. First of all, they won't even know. You're the only one that knows. But if you if it's part of being authentic, I've said, okay, looks like I need a little help here and, mm -hmm. and start engaging people. Once people feel like you're connecting with them, then they start opening up and then there's that engagement that goes back and forth. And right now, because everybody's so tired of virtual, it's the best way you can do any kind of presentations. You've got to bring your audience in. Absolutely. This is so great advice. I'm just kind of going around the virtual table here. <laughs> Gail, I'm going to come back with you. What would you say? Is there anything on that advice for powerful storytelling note that hasn't been covered already. Yeah, it's funny the because everybody has shared the things I would have gone to first. I will share something that I share a little later in the process when I talk about developing a good story. Uh, the two things in specific. The, the first is which your story is a gift. It's something that you are giving to your audience, and it's also a gift to the people that you're talking about. Consequently, I I strive to tell my stories in a way that that it's an offering. It's something that I am I'm laying out on the table as my as my gift. You can even think of it as a sacrament. This is something that I'm offering for us. But the, the underlying piece for that is the is the last thing I add in almost all of my my instructions is that you have to have the desire to share the story. The, the just the the need to share what I have with this audience, and that will that'll cross the barrier whether it's in a three thousand seat house or it's across mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. through the internet. So think of it as a gift 
and then really, really, really in the in the depths of in the cockles of your heart, want to share this story for the benefit of your audience. Whoever that audience happens to be. And again, in this process, again, this whole thing launched for me because of a book. But then I just realized this conversation can go so much farther than a book that, yes, obviously, if everyone wants to buy the book, that would be awesome. I have. <laughs> I, have. I already have. <laughs> Thank you very much. But it's just funny because stories are who we are. There's so many ways to connect with our neighbors, with our family, with our friends by asking questions that are a little bit deeper than how are you today? That are a little bit deeper than so how's it going lately? Because we're gonna say fine or you just simple little answers, but sometimes deeper questions and deeper listening creates deeper relationships among us all. Mm -hmm. And to kind of what Roger was speaking on earlier, and um, Shauna as well, we need to connect to each other, especially these days. Um, I have this whole list of questions that I wanna go into with everybody, but we are starting to run out of time. Thank you all for being here with me today. And I'm now just realizing that I didn't ask Gail that question either. Gail, if someone was going to contact you about the um, Storytellers channel, how would they contact you? Well, of course, I invite you to go to storytellerschannel.com where you can download a free audiobook of The Telltale Heart that then puts you on my newsletter. But if you have specific questions for me or would like to have a copy of my PowerPoint on thoughts on crafting a good story, send me an email to gale, G-A-Y-L-E, at storytellers, that's plural, channel.com. Put something in the subject line that lets me know that you either came from StoryStop or whatever, and I will... I will respond as quickly as I possibly can. And really, I would love to keep you all in this virtual room for another couple hours to dive deep into the tips of powerful storytelling and capturing our audiences and empathizing and universality and all of these big concepts. But I'm going to wrap it up right here. But thank you all, Gail, Roger, Shauna, and Joan for joining me today. Everyone who's here with us, thank you for being here. Happy writing, everyone. Good luck with whatever it is that you want to say with your story. Are you curious or confused about the words you use every day? For more information on language news, trivia tips, and explorations, I invite you to sign up for my monthly newsletter at getagripponyourgrammar.com. That's also a great place for free downloads and to learn more about my books, Get a Grip on Your Grammar, the Novel Editing Workbook, and the Family Story Workbook. Thank you so much to those of you who have taken the time to review or rate this podcast. And if you haven't, why don't you just head over to wherever you listen and do so. I am so grateful for it. And as always, I invite you to share your latest writing updates or insights with me. I love hearing from you. Again, you can connect at getagriponyourgrammar.com. Until next time. Words. Language. Communication. We've got this.